Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot, And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And and today I will be doing a solo show, which you know that your favorite and talented, extremely talented and delightful podcast host has no problem doing. As a matter of fact, that is my best show. Even when I have guests on this show, as much as I appreciate and how wonderful they are, as you've heard me say often, they are special guests. Every one of them have been that way and still in my books are those special people, experts, know what they're talking about and can articulate that very well. Having said that, when I sit behind and do a solo show like today in talking about this very important topic where the Amazon VP quits a toxic work environment, hey, who better to be at the console, at the controls, behind the microphone? This is the Jamaican microphone. Who, who's better to do that <laughs> than yours truly? So you are in for a special treat today. I, I reserve this one just for you. Man, how has it been? It's been a while that I've done this with you, right? How have the pandemic been treating you? Uh, what The crisis we're going through. Where you are, is there a lifting of the lockdown? You know, I've listened to a number of people and read and watched and seen. You know, when I say watched, I, it's not because I'm watching television or... But I I, I get the news. I, I, I use my social media a lot when I'm on there to actually get updates and see what's happening around the world because I know I have listeners around the world and that's maybe you are in a 
certain country right now that you're listening to this podcast, and I wonder, how's it with you? I'm, I'm here where I'm at in South Florida. We just recently, as of this recording, that the governor has kind of lifted some parts of the state. So if you ever think about, well, I'm not sure how you would get here now because <laughs> traveling is kind of sparse, right? It's, it's not as as easy. But if you were, the place that most people come to is South Beach. And right now, as of this recording in May of 2020, sorry, ain't going to happen because it's not yet open. I don't know what they're waiting for. Well, let me take that back. I do know they're trying to be cautious. But I have a problem sometimes with, you know, as a person who's an entrepreneur and and you who are li- listening to me right now, you probably are a person that have taken risks. Do take risks. And, and risks must be taken. We're, we're never going to live in a time where we're ever risk-free of possibly contracting this virus, right? And and, and if it's if they're waiting for somehow a perfect condition, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And, and I'm one that really, I like the fact that they've done their precautionary things, but I believe it's time to get back to work. I believe the longer we wait, waiting for the perfect moment, how many much more damage has been done to your business, to your life, to your family, to to your income, your financial situation, and your health? How many people today are have been having some incredible emotional and mental health issues? So, I just wanted to bring that up, not knowing where you're you're at with this. But this is a perfect segue into. Today's episode with that which I'll be talking about. And that's why you're here. Good thing that most of the work that I do is online. So it hasn't really affected me that much. To some degree, yes, because everything is connected. The dots connect. I I can't wait to get out and get me a a good haircut, you know, (laughs) This is a huge problem in 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 uh in the you know first world, right? This is a, a big problem where we are, you know. So many people have said. I was on I was on a show recently as a guest, and I was asked this question. So Kingsley, tell me, what will be the first thing you will do? And if I was to ask you that question, what would your answer be? I I can't hear you, but. I can imagine, but my answer was, I cannot wait to see my B-A-R-B-E-R, Barber, yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. But, you know, here it is. Uh, we're, and I'm, I'm not complaining. Trust me on that. I'm not one who's saying, oh, man. No, because this is not, if this is the worst thing that I can experience during this pandemic, it's not having a haircut, trust me, I ain't got any problems, right? That's the least of the least of someone's concern today. Maybe yours. Maybe as you're listening, you have experienced a family member or a close friend 
who have contracted this virus and, and possibly somebody who have died. You may know someone like that. So when I talk about a haircut, you probably you probably are thinking, Kingsley, come on, get real. Is that the only thing that's on your mind? No, it's not. But it's one of the things. And I'm I'm just being real. I don't know where you're at with this, but that is something that I I kind of miss. But you know the old adage is you don't know what you miss until you no longer have what you had, right? It's in those times that you truly understand that some things we take or took for granted, but now they're like, man, you know? So anyway, I think that this really sets us up for this article that I read. Oh, by the way, if this is your first time, thank you for joining me here. I I really appreciate that. And if this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, umpteenth time, again, thank you for being here and being the special VIP of the Kings of Grand Show community that shows up from time to time and tell others about this show and probably have invited people to to listen to the show. You know, something that I saw recently that I must mention, and we're going to get into this real quickly, these five lessons that I think that was taught or or brought about. And and I had to dig in this article. Now, again, of course, that's what I do. That's what a trained professional like me know what to do. So I'm going to bring you the goods. If you read the article, which I will have the link in the show, in the notes that follow the show, you probably are going to say, Kingsley, where did you find those five things? Because they're not listed. But I had to dig. I had to use my, my um, uh, guided by my expert, expertise and my instinct for being able to find these things and bring to your attention. I was able to dig it up. So you won't find it there. But I, I, I bring this to you. But I wanted to also mention, I was really pleasantly surprised Recently, when I, you know, I had this assumption that majority of people, maybe you who listen to this show, is of a certain age range. And I won't tell you what age range I was thinking, because you probably would say, Kingsley, come on now. (laughs) But anyway, what I found is that majority of you, of people like you, who are, who are listening to this show, if I was to ask you, knowing what you've heard and the format of this show and the angle at which we go, you would say, Kingsley, if I was to guess the age range of people who listen to this show, I would say blank. Well, because I can't interact with you right now, I wanted to let you know that, again, 53% and thereabouts, hovering about 53, 54% of my listeners, and you might be that person right now or one of the persons, is actually between the ages of 20, (laughs) I was like, oh, kids, come on, between the ages of 23 and uh, 40, um, sorry, 23 and 44, I, I really was kind of blown away, but it was it's good. It's, it, it tells me that there are people here like yourself, maybe, who really want to know 
how to become a better leader, who want to know how to become the best version of yourself as a leader, and that's why you're here. And again, I want to say thank you, but it, it took me by surprise, pleasantly so, because it helps me now to realize how else can I really frame each show so that I have the majority in mind. Now, I'm not saying this at the expense of saying I'm not thinking about those who are outside the age of 44 and upwards. No, I have everyone in mind, but I want to make sure I'm reaching everybody. And so when you hear me talk about myself in the way I did earlier, trust me, I did that intentionally. And I hope you're not somehow using that to label me as you arrogant, narcissistic kind of person. You don't even have the decency or the humility to speak of yourself in a very less than way. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I, 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 it, it doesn't, basically what I've said, it, it really is just a matter of trying to mix it up. Mix it up. Yes, that's a good word. Mix it up. So let's mix it up now with these five leadership lessons that was taught by this Amazon VP. And I, I read this and, and, and thought about, okay, at that level, you quit your job. You just got up and left your job. And by the way, the, the vice president who did that, his name is Tim Bray. Okay, his name is Tim Bray, B-R-A-Y. And, and when I saw that article and read it, I'm thinking, wow, good for you, Tim. Good for you. Way to go, right? And, and, and then I began to read along some more to see, well, what was the reason behind that. And one thing that stuck out at me, kind of jumped out at me, really, was where he talked about the fact that there was a toxicity in the workplace. It, it really became the thing that drove him to say, you know, I need to step back. And so, the, what, the the part of the of the the article that says it, it's it's this is how it was framed, and you have to read down and and find in the article way down in there it says it's evidence of a vain toxicity running through the company culture. Let me read the whole whole paragraph because I think that's starting where I did it, it won't give you a good flavor or a good context of how to fit that in. So he he wrote poison and a hyphen. Firing whistleblowers isn't just a side effect of macroeconomic forces, nor is it intrinsic to the function of free markets. It's evidence of a vein of toxicity running through the company culture. And here's what he said. Tim Bray said this. I choose neither to serve nor to drink the poison. I choose neither to serve or drink that poison. That was one of the clues for me or one of the things that I, I drew a lesson from that helps to help me to come up with these five leadership lessons that 
Timbray really shared without having listed them in his article. Now, here's the first one. Now, I put them in this order because that's how they came to me, and it could be in any order. So this is not in any order of significance or importance. They are all important, but I wanted to list them this way. So the first thing I say I get from his article is that leaders, if you're going to be a very effective leader, if you're going to be a great leader, if you're going to fit the description of what best leaders do, number one, be ethical. Be ethical. I cannot stress the importance of being ethical, of ethics in the workplace. It's amazing how some leaders really lead without any kind of ethical guidelines. You know, I, I by training, I'm a a psychotherapist. And I have to be licensed in the state where I'm at, in the United States, in Florida. I have to be licensed in the States. Every two years, we have to renew our license. And we have to take certain classes to show that we are continuing our education and so on. But one of those classes is on ethics. And it's important that we... We, we have to take that because they want to know that we are having an ethical approach to our work. Someone asked me the other day and said, Kingsley, well, um, what about trying to reach out to your, your past clients, talking to them and see if they may want to continue to do tr- counseling? Now, there are certain things that guide us as professionals in the mental health industry, that is not necessarily true in some other industries. For example, coaching. I'm a leadership coach, right, in the area of leadership skills and emotional intelligence. Now, in the lead, in the coaching area, and by the way, the, the follow-up, the next episode of this show that's coming out, you want to not miss that because it will be speaking about coaching and how that is really the key for leaders to be great leaders. You want to make sure you get that show and come back and listen to that and invite someone. I'm in, interviewing a guest for that show, and that would be show number 188. So make sure you come back for that. But as a coach myself and a certified coach, yes, there are some kind of regulations, but it's not a reg. I'm sorry, there's not a regulated industry where you have to get a certificate or licensed to practice coaching. Because, you know, one of the sayings that I have said many times, everybody and their mama are coaches nowadays. I've never seen so many people coaching. And some of these people who are who call themselves coach, I've had some very bad experiences. Have you? Oh, man, I'm telling you. I'm not going to take the time to talk about them here, but I've had some bad experiences where I've shelled out good money. And I, I cannot tell you what I got for the return on my investment. And, and so not every coach who calls him a person who calls himself a coach ought to be a coach. So that's why it's really a it's almost like a wild, wild west, free for all, right? But in my industry of as a psychotherapist, we have to have certain guidelines. And if we fail to follow those guidelines, we could lose our license. It's really, really strict because you're dealing with people's mental health. So 
I had to follow certain guidelines. And this person asked me, well, can't you just call them? I said, no, it's not ethical because as a professional, I could manipulate and and try to take advantage of their mental state that they're in or were in and, and try to get them to do things that they may not want to do or follow through because I'm the professional. That's unethical on my part, right? Sometimes people will cook the, you know, they call it cook the books, right? They will do certain things that are not right and basically is an ethics issue, an ethical issue. So we've got to be be ethical in our, um, as leaders, if you're going to succeed as a leader, you've got to make sure that ethics is high on your your list of things that you are going to practice regularly, right? You're going to practice regularly. And, and so let me quickly just also mention that ethics really is, you may be asking, Kinsa, what does ethics, what's really an ethic, ethical, what, what does it look like? Well, it's like a, a guideline, a moral, a principle that governs your behavior, okay? It governs your behavior or your activity. It, it governs how you behave when it comes to a client, when it comes to an employee. Treat them as you want to be treated. Treat them as as um, individuals. Don't try to take advantage because you are the boss, the leader, and they're not. So number one is ethical. Number two, have convictions. The lesson that I got from this article is that Tim Bray would say, have convictions. He had a conviction. Now, a conviction is simply saying, this is something that I truly, truly believe to my core that I truly would die for if I have to. I would die for if I have to. And, and I, and, you know, there could be a number of things for different people have different convictions. You look at our great leaders in our world who, who die for a belief that they had because they had strong convictions about certain things. You know, we have in our country or had in our country, we still do, but just not the degree it was at one time where there was this whole racial thing and leaders like Martin Luther King who stood up for his conviction and would rather go to jail than cave in and allow injustice to prevail. That's conviction, right? And that's just one example of what that looks like, but have a strong conviction. So Tim Bray, some other things he wrote that I kind of caught my attention, um, he, he when he said that he cannot go along with the poison, right? Um, here's what he also mentioned about when he looks at the the salaries of big tech companies and leaders, and, and and how it how he as a vice president in doing what he did, he said it will probably cost him over a million pre tax dollars, and not to mention the best job I've ever had working with awfully good people. So he said, I'm pretty blue. I'm pretty blue about this decision. However, it did not stop him from do, to doing what he did because of his conviction. Now, I, I know some people 
And I'm not saying this is of Tim, but some people are opportunists, right? Opportunists. Opportunists. Uh, did I say it right? It sounds right to me this time. <laughs> and they, they look for an opportunity to do certain things just to get that five minutes of fame, right? Just to get some notoriety. And they, they're, they want to get that moment where, oh man, look at that, what I did. They get the press, they get the media. And so they are opportunists. They look for those moments where they can actually seize an opportunity to get themselves in the limelight. And I hope you're not one of those persons. And, and some leaders are that way. They're, they're that way. They, 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 they will, you know, as an opportunist, they truly try to, for example, when the uh, upper echelons of leaders are around, they behave a certain way. And they try to seize an opportunity to show themselves up or put others down. Do you know what I'm talking about? I hope you're not one of those leaders or if you are, you're going to take a second look based upon what I'm saying today. But Tim Bray had conviction. Number three, put people over profit. I, I cannot emphasize this as one of those important lessons from what it is I read. And here's what Tim also had in his essay, in his blog. He said, Amazon treats the humans in the warehouse, in the warehouses, as fungible units of pick and pack potential. Now that's, uh, you know, that is a lot inside in one sentence. But simply what he's saying, of course, you know, you need, you, you, you wouldn't expect me not to break that down for you because that's what I do. That's, that's why I'm your host. That's why I'm behind the microphone. That's why I host this show to help you better kind of uh, digest what's happening in this area of leadership and emotional intelligence, right? So he says, Amazon treats the humans in the warehouses as fungible units, meaning that as, as, as people that they can really interchange, they can, can, can bring in, get rid of, bring in, get rid of. They're just really just, uh, it's almost like, almost like a product. And, and, and it's easy in their minds to kind of replace that person, which we know it's not, but they treat them as fungible units, meaning as they would do a product in the Amazon warehouse, so they do with their people. They, they, they don't put, because they're making profit over people. So this whole idea when they're the call for a strike and a call for a walkout, because people were saying Amazon was not looking out for their best interest. They're not providing them with PPEs, you know, protective um, gears to wear uh, to at least protect themselves. They were not doing that. And, and they felt so exposed. They felt like, they were sent to war without any kind of, um, without any protection, without any equipment to fight or protect themselves. Imagine that. And so the question as leaders who put people over profit, I mean, sorry, who put profit over people, right? They will do things not only unethical, but they will treat people in a manner where it's just disposable as disposable items and, and and that's not going to help so one of the things that tim saw was this ought not to happen people should not be treated that way not as disposable items and so some companies and in his mind 
what Amazon was doing was putting profit over people. And, and you know, they're, 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 uh, they're going to make how many billions of dollars throughout this pandemic. And that is really what drives it, right? So, you're, you're, you know, there is shareholders type of thing, you know, instead of stakeholders should be the focus. And the stakeholders are the employees, right? Those are the employees. They're the stakeholders. But sometimes it's they're driven by the shareholders, pressure and all of that. But people should never be put, you know, I mean, profit should, profit should never be put over people. Unfortunately, some companies do, and that's why many people really have a hard time, and and toxicity really um, becomes the order of the day. Now, here's what another thing where I think number four, money is not all. So, first, be ethical. Number two, have convictions. Number three, put people over profit. Number four, money is not all. You know, my my wife, she works at a. I, I just. I'm going to be careful right now. Maybe some other time I may be able to mention certain things that are probably more kind of uh, direct. But right now, let's say that she works at a place, one of the places she works, that are, are, are so driven by money. That is really what they see, the green, right? In this case, the American dollar. And, and you can tell. They... There is a, it's almost like everyone that I know who works at this particular place will say the very same thing. It's money, money, money. And, you know, one of the things I have, I grew up hearing, and you may have, where money, well, this is a, the misquote. The misquote is money is the root of all evil, and it's not. Money is not the root of all evil. That's not where the source of that came from. It actually is from the Bible, and it didn't say that. It says, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love, and the emphasis is on the love of money. Because when people love money, look at how many people are killed because of money. Look at what people have done for the sake of money. Look at how people's lives have been wrecked because of money, of the love of money. I mean, we see it all around us. What people will stoop to, will do to their bodies, will do to their minds, will do to their neighbors, will do to, you know, whoever because of the love of money. And so we see it also in the workplace where some leaders and some business owners love money so much that they will do anything. Being unethical, they're immoral, they're just, just really despicable sometimes, really just, just to call it what it is. Because their love of money drives them. And so that's one of the turn-off, I believe, Tim Bray was saying he saw at Amazon. He saw at Amazon. And the fifth thing, the fifth lesson that I got from his article is this. Be loyal, and this is a big one, be loyal or leave. Be loyal or leave. You know, if you're at a place working as a leader and you can't, your values are in not in alignment with the values of the organization, if you're struggling because, you know, you're asked to do certain things that goes against the grain of what really makes you up and you're unhappy because you're doing things against your core for whatever reason, well, 
Number one, if you're still there and still, and going to be there, be loyal. I don't care how you feel. You are still being paid. It's you know you have as a leader, right? Um, and, and when I speak about you know, I'm I'm speaking right now to pretty much um, leaders who are actually uh, maybe not be the owner of the company, or you maybe you are, but. I'm talking about those who have hired you, right? So you're an operational leader. So you're an operational leader. So I'm speaking to an operational leader. And and something that struck me in this article where Tim Bray says, he says this. He, he speaks about Amazon this way. Amazon is exceptionally well-managed and has demonstrated great skill at spotting opportunities and building repeatable processes for, for exploiting them, right? So he, he really commends Amazon for how they operate and the well-managed um, company they are. So he speaks about the loyalty. But he also mentioned about what he did when he said this. He said when it became hard for him to continue, he said VPs should not go publicly rogue and just kind of talk about the companies in any way you want to while you're still hired. So what he did when he had an issue, which is a proper thing, he went to the all the channels. He said, I escalated through the proper channels and by the book, right? He said he followed everything possible to get up the channels to get to the people to who can make some changes, but nothing was done. He now had an option, stay and drink the poison, like he said, or pass on the poison, or leave, or leave. So it's either be loyal or leave. Leaving may cost you, like he said, it's going to cost him. He's not his best job he ever had. It's going to cost him over a million pre-tax dollars, right? And not to mention the best job working with awfully good people, had all that, but he realized he either had to stay and be quiet and suck it up and go along with whatever is happening or leave or leave. And that's a very, a very valuable lesson for you. You know, I was speaking to someone in a very, in a coaching setting. And this person said to me, Kingsley, what do you do when you're being asked to really make product volume and result the goal at the expense of people. And this person said this person said it's hard for them. It's really hard because they are a people person and they don't feel comfortable doing that. I said, well, you have some options. Options is to do what they're asking you to the best of your ability and try your best to communicate a better way to them because they may not even realize there is a better way. Try to find a solution approach and then bring that solution to the upper management because they may not have considered a better way or another way. But it's your job to figure out what's a better way and prove to them why it's better. Let me give you an example. This is a an example that I love because it's a biblical example, but I think it speaks so well of what we're talking about here. And it's in the Old Testament of the Bible where the Bible speaks about um, the Hebrew boys who were brought into the uh, 
it would say the kingdom of the king at the time, Nebuchadnezzar. And part of the part of the training for Daniel and his three three bros, right, <laughs> was that they had to eat the king's delicacies. They had to go through the school and get training and all of that to be prepared for their position that they were going to be placed in. And, and Daniel and the three Hebrew boys had a conviction. They really had a hard time because they were being asked to eat something that did not fit their belief system, their spiritual beliefs, their cultural beliefs, and they had to make a decision. So what um, Daniel did and asked was, let's run an experiment. Because in their mind, that was the only way to do things. And Daniel said, okay, let's track a deal. What if you, for the next 10 days, we ate just vegetables, right? None of your delicacies, but a different diet. What if we ate that and in 10 days, if we look gaunt and frail and all of that, then we are willing to go and continue what has always been in place. However, if after 10 days, we look energetic, we look revived, refreshed, and all of that sharp, alert, then let us continue to have that diet. And obviously, Daniel had a superior who was, you know, able to to have a conversation with, reasonable to have considered an, another option. And some people are in upper management are reasonable, but you've got to bring a plan. Daniel had a plan. So the guy said, okay, let's try it out. They did. After 10 days, if you know the story, if you don't, uh, it's in the book of Daniel in the Bible. I love that story. But Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, after 10 days, when they compare the alertness, when they compare the energy level of, of them and those who ate the king's meal for 10 days, they saw the difference. And the superior said, we've got to change. We've got to have this kind of diet because obviously it makes a difference. So Daniel wanted to be loyal. He wanted to be, to be loyal to what he was doing and to his superiors, but it didn't sit well with how what was happening. And so Daniel offered an alternative suggestion or solution. If you are un, unhappy about where you're at, you want to do the same. Make sure you provide an alternative, a solution. Not just don't complain. Don't let it be just a complaint or being disgruntled or being, you know, trying to poison the people around you and get them on your side. That's not the way. That's not the way. There is a proper way. And Daniel did that. And of course, it paid off. Now, is there a guarantee? Maybe not. Maybe you're dealing with someone who's unreasonable. Maybe your upper management is not going to listen to you. I don't know. But have you tried? Have you tried? So let's kind of quickly then summarize these five lessons that we learned from a VP who quit a toxic work environment at Amazon. And the lessons that I took away from his, his piece he wrote on his blog is be ethical. Number two, have convictions. Number three, put people over profit. Number four, money is not all. All Remember, money is not all. And number five, be loyal or leave. Question for you. As you listen to these, which of these are you struggling with? Which of these stand out to you? Which of these you found most 
useful. And I would love to hear from you. What I ask is that when you see this post on social media or on my website at kingsleygrant.com, leave a comment or ask a question. Let us have a continual engagement or conversation around this topic. Maybe you don't you don't see it this way. Maybe when I put the link that will be around this article and you want to read for yourself, you may not even see these and not agree. But let me know. Let me know. I would love to have a conversation with you around this. And maybe you might find something else there that I missed. And then you can help me to add to the lessons that I found in this article. Well, my friend, we've come to the end. I know this has been a, a lengthier episode because I really wanted to take some time to kind of, you know, share and let you know my heart and a little bit more about me that you don't get when we have an interview because I'm more focused on my guests. So when I have my solo shows, I just kind of let you see me basically unshackled, <laughs> let loose, so to speak, right? So I want you to hear my heart, and I hope you did. And thank you for for listening. And my friend, remember, remember this. Remember that you are one skill away, one skill away from your best hope. And hopefully you're brought closer today with this episode. Now let's put this show back into the vault, and then we can say our goodbye. So here we go, here we go. There it is. Now that this show is safely tucked away, I can say to my friend, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. Change your life.